Hey there! Welcome back to another episode of CupyCast. Are you hoping to learn more about unions or progressive movements? Then you're in the right spot. I'm Tiffany Balducci, she, her pronouns. I'm Elise Lelai, she, her pronouns, reminding you that we're the only podcast of our kind, combining union info, pop culture, and more. Kicking ass for the working class, one podcast at a time. Whether you're a member of QP, in a union, wish you were in a union, or just found us while browsing, you're definitely in the right place. And I'm Brittany Nisbet, she, her pronouns. So what do weekends, maturity leave, health benefits for same-sex couples, and change tables in QP washrooms all have in common? Well, they're all victories of the Canadian labor movement. Yay! (laughs) And in this, yeah, (laughs) and in this episode of QBCast, we are going to be talking about as many wins of the Canadian labor movement as we possibly can in a short amount of time. So we won't be able to cover every victory because then we would be here forever, but we'll try our best to do justice to the ones we do talk about. So let's jump in. You're listening to QBCast episode seven, Canadian labor movement wins. All I could think about is the song by DJ Khaled that goes, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. And I know you guys know that song. <laughs> yep. And it's yeah. been stuck in my head the whole time. Um, but there are really so many labor movement wins, and I'm really, really looking forward to talking about them today, but I don't really know where to start. How about we start with something a bit more recent, um, like like Maggie's Toronto Sex Workers Action Project. They recently unionized with QP in just this September. This is such a huge win for sex workers, and we're so happy to welcome them into the QP family. Definitely. An excerpt from the press release about when Maggie's unionized says, We are proud to assert our rights and are ready to set industry-wide standards where the most marginalized workplace will be afforded key support. Unionizing at Maggie's recognizes that the agency's founding principles of dignity, justice, and security for sex workers must also apply to the staff on the front lines of community support work. This is especially crucial for queer, trans, black, indigenous, and sex workers of color at our organization who haven't had the same privileges, access to employment, fair working conditions, or labor rights. Yeah, and for folks who don't know, Maggie's is located in downtown Toronto and is one of Canada's oldest sex worker justice organizations. It was actually founded in 1986. Maggie's offers so much like weekly drop-in programs, Indigenous programming, virtual arts programs, and they are also very active throughout the pandemic. They actually organized fundraising initiatives, a vaccine clinic, and they also do work with Butterfly, the Asian and Migrant Sex Worker Support Network. And that's honestly just a a small example of the work they do. They do so much incredible work for folks. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and I was actually uh, checking out their website, and they have a blog. It's, yeah, it's so neat. So uh, one of the articles, they talk about programs for transgender folks, uh, black black transgender and non-binary folks. Uh, They even had one on how to set boundaries for yourself, and we all know how important boundary setting really is. 
Mm -hmm. And they also offer a safe space for sex workers to connect, access harm reduction material and education for other organizations about sex work. So since they unionized just a few short months ago, they are now preparing for bargaining their first ever collective agreement. That's so exciting. Uh, And an article Mm -hmm. from Now Toronto said they're looking at proposals for more structured labor protections, job equity and security. Yeah, wow, yeah, I agree. This is really exciting. And we definitely wish Maggie's a successful first round of bargaining. I have always said that sex work is work and that folks who are sex workers should be recognized as workers. So this is just fantastic news. And I really hope more organizations like Maggie's begin to unionize. I 100% agree. This is a big win for sure. Yeah, and later on we have something kind of similar to talk about in the same vein, but I have another big win to share before that. Tell us. Well, we are all such huge supporters of our local libraries, of course, but it's really exciting that Indigo has been unionizing with UFCW. Yes, this is so exciting. <laughs> I, I actually followed some of their Instagram accounts and uh, I, I helped with some of the community support around their organizing. That's awesome. How did you do that? So the for each individual Indigo chapter store that is uh, unionizing, they actually created uh, an Instagram page. So I followed the Instagram page at Indigo286Union. Um, and oftentimes I would share their posts. And then the week that they were going into uh, vote to join a union, I saw a post that just said, you know, call the store and let them know that you support us. And so I did. Um, And the person who answered the phone was really thankful because I guess that managers have been trying to intercept the phone lines the whole week that this had been going on so Mm -hmm. that the workers wouldn't hear the support calls. But I guess so many people were calling that they couldn't get to them fast enough. And, And just for clarity, this was the Indigo at Yorkdale that I helped out with. Yeah, and I I know you mentioned that to me at the time, and I saw and shared a bunch of their posts too on Instagram, and I called the same. I can't remember if it was Yorkdale that I called, or it was a number that was on Instagram, and maybe I got a manager because all they did was say, they were like, okay, click and hung up. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, actually, because I saw their post that you shared, (laughs) that I started to follow them. (laughs) That's hilarious. Wow, the power of social media. Definitely. Yeah. And I also read that uh, Indigo Square One, Chapters Woodbridge, Chapters Scarborough. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's who I called. Uh, Chapters Pine Tree Village, Indigo Place Montreal Trust all have unionized. Also, Indigo Chapters Coquitlam ratified their first collective agreement this summer. That's so exciting. Yay. Well, I really hope uh, I have I have two, uh, no, three, three Indigo Chapter stores near me, and I hope that they unionize soon. I know that UFCW has been working really, really hard at getting to as many of the 88 stores across Canada as possible. Wow, 88 stories is a lot, but to have six unionized so far in a year is a great win and must be celebrated. I'm sure word will spread about all of the positive changes UFCW has brought to these workers. I hope so too. Best of luck to UFCW and the other workers at Indigo Chapters across Canada. Another really important win by the labor movement was won by Gig Workers United, formerly known as Foodsters United. Yes, and so for those who don't know, uh, Gig Workers United is a community union made up of both full-time and part-time app-based delivery couriers. So Gig Workers United is also supported by the labor union, the Canadian Union of Postal Workers. 
That's right. And in 2020, under the name Foodsters United, the courier workers organized a union drive at Fedora and won the right to unionize. This was huge because delivery-based apps like Fedora were arguing that these workers are independent contractors and are therefore not entitled to the same rights as workers who have labor rights under the Employment Standards Act and are able to unionize. The Ontario Labor Board shut down Fedora's argument and ruled that Fedora couriers are able to form a union. Yay. That's so exciting. Um, and so this is still amazing news for all gig workers because it actually sets the precedent that gig workers can unionize in the future, which I'm sure has Uber shaking in its boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shaking in its Prius <laughs> or Uber would be driving. I don't know. I see a lot of Priuses that are Ubers. Uh, another <laughs> really important win from this story, as mentioned on the gigworkersunited.ca website, is the successful community-driven unionization drive that took place across Toronto and Mississauga with a grand total of 89% of workers voting yes to unionize. Yes, and the organizing is so inspiring because it's such a decentralized workplace with workers all across the cities. These workers know their worth, they put so much time and energy into organizing, and were so determined in making this victory happen, which has a ripple effect for so many workers. 100%, I totally agree with you, but like... Unfortunately, there's a really sad ending to this part of the story as Fudora declared bankruptcy and departed from Canada, which left all of these workers unemployed in the midst of the pandemic. Um, but there is a silver lining here, um, and that is that the fight really didn't stop there, and CUPW and the Gig Workers United team ended up winning a settlement that totaled $3.46 million for the couriers. Yay! Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. And and the fight isn't over. Gig workers are still organizing and have created the Gig Workers Bill of Rights, which outlines the minimum rights our governments must guarantee to ensure fairness and non-discriminatory treatment for gig workers. This includes ending the misclassification of gig workers, providing gig workers with a livable wage, giving gig workers full and equal access to employment insurance, uh, EI, Canada Pension Plan, CPP, Injury Compensation, uh, WSIB, and more. So when it comes down to it, all gig workers deserve to be treated with equity, dignity, and respect. And I think I saw recently that Instacart workers were trying to form a union or going on strike, or there was some organizing going with Instacart as well. Awesome. And to show your support for gig workers, you can sign on to the Gig Workers Bill of Rights by visiting www.gigworkersunited.ca. We'll also leave the link in our show notes. You can also follow Gig Workers United on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you are a gig worker, you can actually text JOIN to 647-499-2259 for more information. Nice. So speaking of non-traditional workplaces, uh, did either of you see that workers at Steamworks Bathhouse voted in favor of forming a union? Yes, I did. I was reading an article actually about it. Yeah, it was. Um, I was in a meeting and um, someone mentioned it to me and I was like, what? How did I miss this completely? So then I looked it up and listened to an interview on CBC Metro Morning uh, with Graham Lamb, who is an organizer with a newly formed union and works as a lead clerk um, at Steamworks. And he cited that the Employment Standards Act wasn't being followed. Um, they had scheduling issues. Uh, you know, their employer wasn't following labor law. And when they brought it up, uh, before they were in a union, uh, their management said, you knew what kind of business this was <gasps> when you were hired. So yeah, oh, so they're no. implying since it, That's yeah, awful. they're implying, yeah, it's terrible. So they're implying since it's like, 
it can be a sexual space that they shouldn't accept the same rights as other workers. I, I literally just said <laughs> a worker is a worker is a worker. Like what? What? So what union did they join? So I actually read that they unionized or they're with uh, UFCW. So amazing organizing again on the behalf of UFCW. And again, it's so great to see workers knowing that they deserve better and standing up for their rights. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, the workers state that they they do enjoy working there and that it's a good place to work that suits their values. Um, but they're hoping that unionizing will address the ongoing issues that, that were cited before. So during the OFL convention, I think, didn't they, wasn't there a big rally too? Yeah, so I heard it went really well. Um, I heard that, uh, so there was uh, Facebook organizing going on with it and then in-person organizing too. And um, it was around the time that they were getting, you know, the right to form a union and they had two prominent drag queens featured, which begs the question, why don't um, we have drag queens at more rallies? Like we should totally get on that. That's, that's, that would be, that's, we should do that for sure. That's. That's such a great point. Actually, for the Durham Region Labor Council, for our Labor Day celebration, we were actually trying to book a drag queen to do a story time for us um, during the presentation. Unfortunately, we weren't able to, but if you are a drag queen and want to be part of the labor movement, feel free to get in touch with us. Um, and this is such an important victory that non-traditional workplaces have the ability to unionize and that workers are responsive and want a voice and a union. This could be from years of unions working in coalition and solidarity on equity issues. It wasn't even that long ago that unions were fighting for things like benefits for same sex and same gender partners. Yeah, one of the things I learned when I first moved to Oshawa was the history of the auto workers union there. Um, at the time it was called uh, CAW Local 222. Now it's um, Unifor Local 222. And one of their strikes actually led to benefits for same gender and same sex couples. And you're right, it wasn't that long ago. It was only 1996. Yeah, that, that really isn't that long ago. Wow. So. Like Matthew, uh, my partner Matthew actually works for Unifor, or not for Unifor, sorry, he works for Ford uh, in Oakville, so he is unionized with Unifor 707. Um, hmm. Yeah, and they uh, they can really be, uh, they're, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I've only ever been with QP, so I don't see how other unions work, but I find they can be really militant when they need to be. I remember quite a few years ago, I was working the night shift and it was when they were ratifying a collective agreement two collective agreements ago. So it must've been in like 2016, 2017, must've been about 2016. And I was working a night shift and Matthew went to bed and he said to me, you're gonna have to text me because I work days and if they don't come to an agreement tonight, uh, with the employer and Unifor, then I am showing up to picket at five o'clock in the morning instead of showing up to work at five o'clock in the morning. So I know yeah. it's crazy. And so, and they were ready to go. And he was just like, yeah, I've got two sets of clothes. I've got my picketing clothes and I've got my work clothes. So you're going to have to tell me like what I'm wearing and like what I'm doing for work. Cause I don't know what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> Cause he couldn't stay up that late. Wow. Yeah. And I think they ended up going till about yeah. one in the morning bargaining, which is not unheard of like bargaining could go on for hours no. and days Jeez. but yeah I, i'll never forget that moment and even um they just ratified a new collective agreement a year ago and, and even then it's they they can be very militant that is for sure totally mm -hmm. like and i saw in 1996 and um 
I've talked a lot with who the president at the time is now uh, a retiree named Mike Shields, but he was the president uh, at the time in 1996. And they actually, um, when they found out that some of the dyes from the plant were going to be uh, removed to keep like U.S. operations running, uh, 150 members occupied the plant and like barricaded the doors and refused to let GM come in and remove them. So, and so it just shows how important of an issue it was, right? Like this is only 1996. One of the key issues that they were fighting for was, mm-hmm. uh, benefits for same, you know, same sex and same gender partners. Um, and I used to hear stories from Mike Shields or other retired, uh, CAW members, how they were actually receiving threats and were called all sorts of names for standing up for this important access to benefits. Um, so it was, you know, that they knew it would be uh, important. They were, I think, one of the first unions to, to fight and get for this, uh, get this benefit. Um, but they remained on the right side of history, and now it's the norm for partners to receive benefits. As it should be. And didn't this yeah. union also stand up for a student who couldn't take their partner to prom? Yeah, yeah. So um, in 2004, so a few years later, Mark Hall, a Catholic high school student uh, in Oshawa, was denied the right to bring his partner to prom. As the Catholic school board at the time said, they cannot support his, and I'm going to use their quote, and I apologize because it's um, it could be triggering, but they said they could not support his, quote, homosexual lifestyle, end quote. So the school board said that yeah. their, um, that Mark's partner couldn't come. But once again, CAW Local 222 in Oshawa supported uh, Mark Hall in the fight with the president at the time, who I believe was still Mike Shields, uh, speaking mm-hmm. at a school board meeting when they refused to let Mark Hall speak. And um, police officers actually had to usher Mike Shields out of the meeting as he demanded they let Hall speak. Um, and CAW helped support this case all the way to the Supreme Court, where they won. Awesome. So when you yeah. mentioned uh, mentioned this when we were working on our notes for this episode, I actually, so I used to go to a Catholic high school. I graduated from a Catholic high school, and mm-hmm. I started in 2003, and I, like, I'm in the Niagara region, so not too, too far from Oshawa, like a couple hours, but I remember vaguely hearing about this so when you mentioned this I was like oh I 100% know what's happening I remember I remember this happening um because like news Mm -hmm. travels and you know I was in a Catholic school so I was always you know if it's something was had to do with the Catholic high school I wanted to see what was going on but I actually looked up a little bit more because I couldn't remember all of it so I looked up Mark Hall and I saw that there is actually a movie called Prom Queen the Mark the Mark Hall story and it's about media and legal storms over a gay teenager fighting for the right to bring his boyfriend to prom and I really want to watch it now yeah that mm-hmm. sounds amazing and good for CAW for supporting this fight in the community I wonder if the musical The Prom is loosely based on this too I know it was on Broadway for a while but didn't a movie also come out yeah, I haven't seen it before. Um, I saw on Facebook one of my friends was actually starring in like a local version, an off, off, off Broadway version of the prom. But mm-hmm. the movie version has Meryl Streep and and I think James Corden too. Um, and I know it's it's basically musical theater stars swarm into a small conservative Indiana town in support of a high school girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. So it could be loosely based for sure. Um, and definitely worth also checking out. I haven't seen I haven't seen the prom, but um, yeah, it might be loosely based. Uh, and just quickly while we're talking about victories in Oshawa, I have one more if I can plug it. It's totally different subject <laughs> yeah, matter totally though. Yeah, totally go for it. Yeah, I love hearing about victories yeah. in the Durham region. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. 
Um, I just quickly want to highlight, and it's very, like, it's pretty recent, uh, some tangible grassroots organizing uh, around a just transition and, you know, working towards tackling the climate emergency. And the organizing has happened in Oshawa, where we've seen, you know, the power of the working class uh, with a group called Green Jobs Oshawa, which is a grassroots coalition of workers, community leaders, environmentalists, students, labor activists. And full disclosure, I am one of the organizers. Um, and yeah, <laughs> so definitely have a little inside scoop here. But uh, when General Motors, just as a background, announced their intention to end vehicle production in Oshawa a couple years ago now, uh, we advocated for placing uh, the GM Oshawa plant under public ownership to repurpose it for socially beneficial manufacturing. And we actually raised the money to commission a feasibility study that showed that a government-owned facility in Oshawa could create 13,000 jobs, uh, build 150,000 battery electric vehicles in the first five years, and decrease CO2 emissions by 400,000 metric tons. And the electric vehicles, a lot of people ask, like, well, what would these vehicles be made for? Because it's under public ownership, but it could be used for the public sector and, and for the government. So such as uh, postal vehicles, the largest government vehicle fleet are the postal vehicles, and they should be mm. um, electrified or made electric. You know, we've got ambulances, we've got buses and more. So this is actually closely aligned with the work CUPW is doing with uh, their campaign delivering community power. Um, and once the COVID-19 crisis hit, we raised a demand for government uh, to order General Motors to produce um, PPE in Oshawa, um, personal protective equipment, utilizing the available space and laid off workers. And after our campaign and pressure, the Canadian government and GM announced that uh, it was about 60 workers would be recalled to manufacture surgical Easy. masks. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember when uh, when I saw it on the news, I like my phone just started lighting up and everyone was calling saying, did you see it? They announced it. So it was pretty cool. Um, and the pandemic also proves that it's possible for the manufacturing industry to shift gears quickly, which will be necessary for truly just transitions all over Canada in regards to the climate emergency. But leaving this up to corporations alone is dangerous. I do want to say that. So the public ownership aspect is really important. But I'm super proud of this victory. And I'm super proud of the work that, that Green Jobs Oshawa continues to be. do. Yeah, amazing work to you and all the folks who are organizing with Green Jobs Oshawa. Um, I live in the Durham region. And I believe I saw that there's also now a mural in Oshawa, right? Yeah, there's a Green Jobs Oshawa and Delivering Community Power mural. I mean, it's it's it doesn't say that on the mural. It's a really beautiful mural where it's got a, a tree and um, it represents, you know, a manufacturing like it's coming, uh, you know, like vehicles are coming out of the tree type of thing. So it's uh, it's stylized and it's, it's it's really beautiful. It's downtown Oshawa, right by the Automotive Museum. So if folks are ever in Oshawa, they should definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's got a QP angle too, QP Ontario and the Durham Northumberland QP District Council were some of the sponsors. So it's really cool. And we'll put in our show notes. Um, I'll, I'll remember to put uh, Green Jobs Oshawa's website if anyone wants to. I don't know if the picture of the murals on there. It might be on the Facebook page. Um, you can find them on Facebook, but they're just at greenjobsoshawa.ca. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to check out the mural the next time I'm in Oshawa. The mural is also a really cool form of artivism, which is art and activism put together. Another mm. absolutely incredible labor movement win in Ontario that I wanted to talk about was the passing of Bill 148, the Fair Workplaces and Better Jobs Act. Bill 148 provided workers with labor rights such as an increase to the minimum wage, paid sick days, equal pay for equal work, domestic or sexual violence leave, fairer scheduling, and more. 
Yeah, so Bill 148 passed in 2017 under Kathleen Wynne's Ontario Liberal government. However, we know that this bill would not have come into fruition if it hadn't been for the tireless organizing done by all of the workers with the Working Workers Action Centre and other community organizations and unions all throughout the magnificent and powerful Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign, which is now known as the Justice for Workers campaign. Yeah, what I found so amazing about the Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign and I remember I was involved with it when it was called 14 Now, actually. So it's had a couple names, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that it was a campaign that launched in 2015. And then by 2017, just a mere two years later, the campaign already saw such stellar wins for workers. So talk about worker power. Definitely. And I think it's important that we remember this victory and all of the wins because it inspires and gives workers hope for the future. As some folks are aware, Bill 148 was overturned by none other than Doug Ford and the Ontario Tories who came into power provincially in 2018 and rolled back many of the wins. Oh, shame. Boo. Shame. Boo. Shame. Oh, shame on Ford. I could, mm-hmm. I could, we could probably do a whole like five episodes on all of the cuts made by the Ford <laughs> government and the impact of those cuts and like i could go Mm -hmm. on for forever (laughs) like yeah yeah. we should do an episode on that especially with the provincial election coming up in 20 there we go let's add that to the list (laughs) but um actually yeah and doug ford earlier this month announced an increase to the minimum wage to be 15 dollars uh starting in january 2022 so do you consider this a win that's a really great question tiffany and the answer is yes While the $15 minimum wage is too little, way too late, the increase will still make a difference in the lives of over 500,000 minimum wage workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And like the current minimum wage is fourteen thirty-five an hour, um, so it will be increased to fifteen dollars an hour. And then liquor servers' uh, minimum wage will be increased from twelve fifty-five an hour to fifteen dollars an hour. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is also such a huge victory because it shows how public pressure has pushed Ford into increasing the minimum wage. Of course, Ford is also only doing this to appear to be a friend of workers since the Ontario election is right around the corner in June. Dave Bush mm-hmm. actually has a really great analysis in Spring Magazine titled Ford Forced to $15 three years after cuts. And I definitely encourage folks to check it out and we'll definitely leave this in the show notes for folks. Great, yeah. And during the pandemic, we similarly saw Ford change his mind about paid sick days for workers, but again, only because of workers organizing and public pressure. I will note that the paid sick days that were implemented were temporary, and we still are demanding permanent employer paid sick days for all workers that are legislated in the Employment Standards Act. Doug Ford's backpedaling really just keeps me keeps us all on our toes, but fingers crossed Mm -hmm. that the Ontario NDP's Bill 8, which is currently tabled in the Ontario Legislature, um, if it's passed, it would ensure that all workers have 10 permanent paid sick days and 14 paid sick days during public health emergencies. Mm -hmm. Now more than ever, workers need to continue the fight. The Justice for Workers campaign and the Ontario Federation of Labour actually run monthly organizing meetings that are open to all workers and community members, so you don't need to be a union to actually attend these meetings. I always usually attend them monthly, and they are such a great way to catch up of what's happening in the province right now, and they always fill me with such hope for the future. We'll leave the link for the Justice for Workers website link for the show in the show notes for folks to check out. And also I wanted to mention the Ontario 
Ontario Employment, Education and Research Centre, which houses and works with the Workers' Action Centre, the Justice for Workers campaign and much more, is currently organizing their annual Workers' Bowl to raise funds for a building a decent work movement. So if you or your local union can donate, I know they would definitely appreciate the funds. Yeah, definitely donate if you can to the Workers' Bowl. So why don't we start talking about one of my favorite topics, strikes. Mm-hmm. Well, Tiffany, since you're in Alberta, why don't we start there, since you are Jason Kenney's biggest fan. <laughs> and and oh, yeah. for folks who don't know, Jason Kenney is the conservative premier in Alberta. Yeah, and, you know, we think Doug Ford is the worst ever, which might be the truth. But Jason Kenney is the man who has spoken about firing between uh, 9,700 and 11,000 healthcare workers uh, despite us still being in the midst of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Shame. Yeah. How, how, how could you even have thought of firing healthcare workers during a pandemic? Only the conservatives. Yeah. And most of these workers work in laboratory, linen, cleaning, and inpatient food services, according to the CBC. And these jobs are so important to keep hospitals functioning smoothly and cleanly. And much of these workers were also members of the Alberta Union of Provincial Employees, also known as AUPE. I think they pronounce it, I don't know, actually. Like, I've been in Alberta for a little bit now, too, <laughs> uh, since the pandemic. And I don't, I don't, I should ask uh, some folks that if they're, they pronounce it AUPE, I don't know. AUPE represents more, maybe CUPE is the only one that likes to, like, mush the names like the 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 words to get like to make a word rather than just say the letters um but aupe represents more than ninety thousand workers with sixty thousand workers in the healthcare sector and so the plan after firing these workers is to eventually outsource and privatize these jobs which would strip workers of their pensions Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in response, there was a tremendous wildcat strike that was organized on October 26, 2020, that took so many people, including me, by surprise. Maybe because I don't live in Alberta. Um, but a part of the wildcat strike was Alberta Health Services General Services Support and nursing care workers from the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Edmonton. By noon, the media reported that over 2,000 workers had joined the strike line in support of workers and against Jason Kenney and the United Conservative Party. Yeah, I was actually on one of the picket lines when I found out about it, which I think I heard, yeah, I think I heard about it through my partner, like the I don't know if I heard about it that morning. I can't remember. It's all a blur. Um, but I saw all of the media coverage um, and, you know, the wild strike, wildcat strike was also all over social media. And um, you could really feel the unity. There was so much support on the lines, like of people passing by or people wanting to join the line from the public and, and lots of solidarity amongst workers. I, I'm so glad that you could feel all that unity and all that public support. Uh, so unfortunately, that night, the strike was ruled illegal by the Alberta Labor Relations mm-hmm. Board, and the strike came to an end. Mm-hmm. And sad. although mm-hmm. the strike ended that night, it was such a huge success to see the amount of workers in solidarity with each other. And I found a really great quote from AUPE Vice President Bobby Joe Bororde that I'll read out loud um, about their thoughts after the strike. 
So to begin the quote, we created an abundance of awareness that healthcare consists of more than just registered nurses and doctors, such as licensed practical nurses, and cleaning, laundry, linen, and food service workers. All of these workers play a huge role in our healthcare system to keep Albertans safe. And since then, we've seen quite a rise in anti-Kenny and anti-United Conservative Party protests and rallies, all inspired by what AUPE workers did in October. End quote. And I couldn't agree more with Bobby Joe. And as Brittany said earlier, a worker is a worker is a worker. All workers play an important role to keep our society and hospitals running. To read the full article that I pulled this quote from, you can check out our show notes for the article, The Right to Strike or Not in Alberta, by Wayne Arthurson, who's a communication staff member at AUPE. That nice. actually sounds like a pretty cool thing to read. I'm definitely going to, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just sounds mm-hmm. so informative. Um, so why don't we talk about another strike that happened on the other side of Canada? <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm sure by now that many of our listeners have heard about the QP provincial strike that has been going on in New Brunswick. Um, so QP Ontario has helped a lot with that strike. We've sent monetary donations, but we also sent people power. And I was uh, lucky enough to be one of the folks who was sent. Um, I had the chance to go to St. John, New Brunswick for a couple of days to just nice. support the lines. It was it was fantastic. Um, the energy that all of the workers, so I should, I should clarify. So just for the backstory, so they, the workers in New Brunswick, they, the QP workers in New Brunswick, 20,000 of them went on strike as of, I believe it was October 29th was the day that they, that the day that they went on strike. Um, and like 20,000 is, is a lot. Uh, a lot so lots of people yeah yeah so there was uh school mm-hmm. board workers there was healthcare workers municipal workers it based any qp twenty thousand workers so it, it was crazy so when i got the chance to go um it was at the beginning of november so they were already a week into the strike when i got there and the energy on the lines was like amazing like everyone was so energetic and they just had they they just had this determination and a lot of the conversations that I had the chance to have with them was you know they're like you know we don't want to be on strike but we also understand that like we need to do this we need to stand up to uh the premier his name is Blaine Higgs they're like we need to stand up to the premier we need to show him that he can't push us around anymore because he's been doing it for years and years and years and like the education workers they kept saying you know we teach our students not to stand up to bullies so we need to show them this is why you don't this is why you stand up to bullies and um a lot of the things they were fighting for, the major key things, were uh, better pay. So the majority of workers in New Brunswick have two to three jobs on average just to make their ends meet. Um, and they really wanted the provincial mm-hmm. government to keep their hands off of pensions. Uh, the, the, the provincial government wanted a shared risk pension and the workers do not want a shared risk pension out there. Um, one of the Facebook Lives that I was watching, um, the New Brunswick, QP uh, New Brunswick, president was saying they're they're only bargaining wages 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 because that was what their mandate was um unfortunately Mm -hmm. when i was there the provincial government used the pandemic emergency orders to mandate healthcare workers back to their jobs that happened on friday november the 5th um Mm -hmm. and stephen drost the uh alberta or alberta oh my goodness this is because tiffany was talking about alberta (laughs) that new brunswick uh (laughs) QP, QP New Brunswick 
president, he had been saying in press conferences that he and the bargaining team are mandated by the members to only bargain wages. QP doesn't bargain concessions. And you could just feel that, like, that energy coming from every single person on the line. It, it was it was amazing. Nice. It must have been so, so, like, that's a huge, like, almost like a general strike, right? So it must have been really cool to to be there and to hear from the members. It was. It was. And a lot of, uh, it was interesting, too, uh, because a lot of the members that I got to talk to were just, you know, regular, like, rank-and-file members who just, you know, they went to work one day, and the next day they were set, like, they're like, okay, guess we're going on strike. And, uh, you know, we have to stand up for what's right. We have to stand up for ourselves. And... And I should say that this strike didn't just happen. Like, I know, Tiffany, you and I have talked about it, and you have said yourself, and maybe you can shed some more light on this, that, like, it's been in the process for the last, like, four to five years. Yeah, I was on the QP National Political Action. I was going to say the QP National Strike Committee. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome. (laughs) But uh, we we can work on that. Uh, Political Action Committee. Um, And uh, uh, the New Brunswick rep, um, Tammy, she would always talk about the work they were doing to mobilize um, and go local by local to make sure everyone was on the same page uh, to be out at the same time if it came to that. And that was like almost four years ago, I want to say that that it was being talked about and that there was a plan. So I found it really inspiring because um, just like when we were talking about AUPE earlier too, it wasn't like that night everyone's like, hey, let's walk yeah, out of work no. tomorrow. It, it was <laughs> it was a lot of planning and training and you know making sure people felt comfortable and knew what was going on and knew the issues and a lot of member to member organizing for sure. Yeah, that's really cool that they like took the time to plan this out so much in advance yeah and and one of the things that i was commenting or having conversations with um with the workers about was i said you know what's fantastic is is because it has taken so long like four to five years of of really like deep like organizing and really really having those conversations and educating um i said that the benefit to this is that now you have really strong locals all of these people that are on all of these lines are now Mm going to be so engaged and that's just going to make you even more stronger for the next round and and you can just keep growing and building on that momentum and it's it's that what they're doing is historic and it's it's so yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's, I just said to them, I was like, you know, we always say at QP Ontario, like, be bold, be brave. Like, you are being bold and you are being brave and you are For setting sure. the precedence of, of what those of us who have conservative governments in our provinces, like, you're setting a precedence here for us. And, yeah, so, for sure. And I should mention today, um, as of the date of recording, so QP New Brunswick members are actually back to work. Um, it had been almost two and a half weeks of being on strike. Um, the members are currently reviewing a tentative collective agreement and they are currently casting their votes to make the decision to accept or decline the agreement. So just wanted to make sure Ooh. people don't think it's still happening at this exact yeah. second. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> storming the lines to support, but yeah, we'll keep it. We'll definitely keep an eye on it yeah, for sure. But I, I really am glad we and got a chance to talk about it because it's a huge win. Something this big is such a huge win and it really is a reason to celebrate. I love it. Um, and 
Before we close, I just want to mention one that might seem like an insignificant or small win, but as a new mom, I was out and about today traveling, um, running errands and that kind of thing. And um, I have a daughter, Zoe, who's going to be almost three months old next week, if you can believe that. She will be three months old next week. Yeah, so she's she's aging. Um, Yeah, she's great. And so, you know, but she babies go to the bathroom a lot and they need their diapers changed and yeah. uh it's a huge thing when you're out and about trying to find somewhere where you feel safe to change them like a clean place like you don't want to just do it on the ground somewhere and it never dawned on me um when i first started going to union spaces uh that there wasn't change tables in a lot of the union spaces uh i didn't you know i didn't have a kid at the time and um but my friend uh and um fellow labor activist all-star hey. uh denise martins um Yay, denise. Uh, yeah denise is awesome <laughs> <laughs> she she had uh had a, um, a baby a couple years ago and also realized that there weren't change tables anywhere in any of the union spaces, um, not at the QB offices, not at, you know, other places where we'd have meetings. And bit by bit, Denise fought. She, you know, there was resolutions written, I think, that went all the way to QP National even. I think um, Durham Northumberland QP District Council submitted one of them and maybe QP 1281 as well um, about there being change tables. And um, through just passing resolutions and mentioning it at the mic at at all the spaces, uh, now I'm happy to report that there are change tables at the QP offices. Awesome. Thanks to to Denise's hard work. And also, I know for a fact in Oshawa, for example, where we'd have our labor council meetings that Denise used to attend at the IBEW hall, um, they also added them there too. Awesome. if folks are listening to this, check your union halls or your spaces and see if there's change tables. And if there's not, it's a small thing that you can add that really makes a world of difference for, um, and it'd be awesome if you could get them not just in the, you know, in, in any of the washrooms, you know, don't just assume that they only go in the women's washroom mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah. What a great way to um, wrap up. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? It's feel good. And, uh, and yeah, I love it. So yeah. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning into this episode of the QP cast. And once again, a special shout out to our producer, Muhammad Akbar for his amazing talent in producing this podcast and a huge thanks to all the QP Ontario staff without whom this podcast would not exist. Mm-hmm. And don't forget in December, there is the QP Ontario racial justice, human rights, and women's conference. These are all virtual events and they will be packed with so many amazing speakers, workshops, and information, not to mention committee elections. So we hope many of you attend, run for elections, and enjoy the conference. We'd also like to thank all of you, our amazing listeners, for tuning in every month. We have a really fun episode planned for next month for December, but remember, if you have any comments or topic ideas, please send them to us at info at Thanks everyone for listening, sending you all solidarity.